0: Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley. This is your host, Ray Silva. And joining me today is one of the minor league pitching coaches for the Seattle Mariners. I am joined by Sean McGrath. Welcome, Sean, and thank you for joining me today.
1: Right. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to get to hang out with you to talk some baseball.
0: Uh, Thank you so much, man. So uh, let's get things started right away. You Uh, went to the University of uh, Lafayette in Pennsylvania. You pitched your four years, and soon after you decided to go pro. How was it that you ended up coming down to McAllen and winning the McAllen Thunder? Uh, What what led you to come down here to the Rio Grande Valley?
1: Um, So after I got done playing college, I was obviously looking – For independent ball opportunities. I had some scouts on on my side kind of helping with that, helping facilitate that with recommendations, things like that. And, um, I wound up reaching out to a couple teams myself, um, just trying to see what's going on out there and, uh, had a scout reach out to a couple of the organizations, um, in the North, North American League, um, and Al Gallagher, coach, uh, you know, Skip, he reached out. He said, "Hey, man, um, got a recommendation on you. You know, you looking to play still?" And I said, "Yeah, man, I've I've been throwing. I've been pretty active. And you know, I'd I'd love to come down and and you know, throw a bullpen for you, whatever." He said, "Hey, come down, throw a bullpen. You know, if it looks pretty good, we'll sign you up. We'll get you going." Um, you know, I get, jumped in my truck told my parents I was leaving, drove 30 hours down to, you know, Edinburgh, Texas, and, you know, threw a bullpen and, you know, signed up, uh, uh, you know, yeah, signed so a contract, I was ready to go.
0: So you mentioned uh, Al Gallagher in, in that first conversation and having to want to throw the bullpen. Uh, the, th- throughout that 30-hour trip, was there any any other thoughts that went across your mind just Find find yourself in Edinburgh, Texas, or was there like another team trying to pursue you? Uh, uh, pursue uh, to you at that point.
1: Um, so it was really just I was waiting on. Uh, I was actually waiting for a contract from a team in the uh, Frontier League, and it was kind of put on hold. They were telling me, you know, I had gone to a workout there and through and I threw really well. And they just said, Hey, we need a spot to open up. You know, we'll keep you in the loop. They were calling me like once a week that lasted about two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And this seemed like more of a a real opportunity um, and, and a more immediate opportunity. So, you know, once I got in that truck, man, I was fully committed. (laughs) I was driving down, I was going to throw, you know, a really good bullpen. You know, I was gonna, I was going to sign that contract.
0: So, you ended up playing the last three weeks of the season uh, for the McAllen Thunder. What what was the feeling like just being down here uh, under the guidance of the late great Al Gallagher?
1: Yeah, um, it it was it was a great opportunity. Um, I, I it was actually a little bit of a culture shock um, being you know I'm from the northeast part of the country driving all the way down being that far south in Texas it was a little bit different culturally. Um, but the guys were awesome. Um, Skip was really, really good dude. He was really honest. Um, and, and I thought that is what I appreciated most was, was just the honesty, um, you know, and I couldn't have appreciated the opportunity anymore. Um it was an awesome experience, one I'll never forget. I learned a lot of things from a lot of older players in that league that you know I, that stuck with me and coach.
0: Mm-hmm. And now, you finished the season, and did, did you think about trying to come back down here and play? What was your next step immediately after the season ended
1: for you? So, when that season ended, um I jumped back in my truck, used that last paycheck to pay for gas, and I actually went and I bought a German Shepherd on my way home. I took a little detour into Pennsylvania. Uh 600 dollars for a German Shepherd. I bought him, took him home with me. And he's, he's you know my best buddy now still. Um but yeah, I, I was intending on playing. Um I was actually about to sign a contract with the Jackals in the Ken Am League uh, which is really close to home. And in the meantime, I was shooting out emails to, and reaching out, you know, calling coaches that had recruited me, things like that about, you know, potential volunteer opportunities. And that's when Pat Carey gave me a call that changed my life. He called me and, um, he said, Hey, you know, I know you're young. I know you just got done playing. I know you still have aspirations to play. Um, but our pitching coach job opened up, it's a part-time position and, you know, we'd love to have you in for an interview, you know, if that's something you're thinking about. And, um, you know, I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to come interview, just kind of knowing I, I had an interest coaching. I would, you know, I was thinking in my mind, okay, it'll be great interview experience. They're not going to, you know, he's not going to hire a 22 year old pitching coach, you know, at the division one level. There's no way. Um, and sure enough, I went and I took the interview and, and a couple days later, he called and asked me if I wanted a job. So kind of got the ball rolling from there. I had to make a decision to play, um, or start coaching, start recruiting and, and jump all, you know, commit fully to that. And I, you know, decided, you know what, let me get into coaching and use my brain because my brain was better than my arm. apparently. And now this
0: this phone call ended up happening at UMass Lowell, correct?
1: It was at uh, Iona, at Iona College in yeah. New York. What's okay. up? Okay, so you end up at that- Iona. Uh,
0: you become yep. the you end up uh, being the pitch coach there. Um, what What was that experience like trying to teach these young uh, these young high schoolers or even junior college uh, transfers to try to uh, get them in in the uh, program uh, in in new york
1: uh it was it was it was a little bit difficult um at first, especially being so young um, I quickly had to grow up and and learn what it was like to speak to parents um, you know speak to kids try to again captivate and and sway people to come to a college you know based off of x percent of a scholarship offer and and this percent you know or this amount of opportunity to come and pitch right away or receive a great education or whatever the heck i thought was going to help get them to school um so that that was a a little bit of some growing pains i had some really good mentors in that area of recruiting um because where the pitching stuff was something I was super passionate about, the recruiting stuff, apart from, you know, old video games, you know, NCAA football and stuff, I never recruited a lick. So I had to learn that and I I had to learn it quick because, you know, college game is a lot about recruiting. Um, So I had some guys who who helped me in that area more than I could, you know, I I, I thanked them a hundred times and I'll probably thank them a hundred more throughout you know in and and life and
0: that learning curve trying to just uh learning
1: to recruit kids
0: uh, out of high school and out of junior college uh how big were your mentors in, in that aspect uh, just trying to move along in, in that recruiting process
1: yeah they, they were huge they you know they taught me what it meant to, to work hard, right? There was a difference between being there and, and really mindfully, you know, work and, and be there. Um, and then I learned, man, the power of a relationship. Um, you know, if you could capture someone's heart, man, and, 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 you know, you could capture anything you want, right. You get them to do a lot of things. So I, I really tried to make personal connections with guys and, and that's really what these guys that came before me taught me was, you know, this is still a relationship business. And, you know, if you could go in and make a guy feel like you really care, and if you could, and, you know, in order to do that, you really do have to care about him. Um, if you could do that, you can, you know, you know, you could get guys on board, you can get them to buy in, and you could get better.
0: Okay. And now you you did your few years at Iona College. And you end up going to UMass Lowell, a startup Division yep. One program. Uh, what was that experience like? For a fresh Division One, uh, Division One school in a different conference. What was that experience like? Trying to now recruit kids into a brand new Division One program.
1: Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, so Iona was a great experience that we had. I had three really awesome years there um, and my boss was terrific. And then I got the opportunity to coach at UMass Lowell and never again transitioning from D2 to D1. And we weren't even playoff eligible the two years I was there, you know, because there's a waiting period, a grace period before you're fully accepted. So a lot of times we were recruiting kids just on the opportunity to play division one baseball. And again, they really good education uh really cool city um and a beautiful park played in a minor league baseball park similar to rio Grande valley uh you know so it, it was a good experience because you know kids really had to commit to your culture they had to really commit to you know, being part of something, building something together, right? They had to picture this, you know, ushering of a baseball program into the to division one level and they had to buy into that. Like they, they weren't gonna win a championship. And that's really that's a really hard pill to swallow. So, you know, knowing they couldn't do that, you had to really sell them on, hey, you guys are gonna be the ones that are, you know, when UMass Lowell's thriving in five, ten years and they're Getting into the conference tournament, they're winning the conference tournament, right? We can look back on you guys and say, "Man, you guys had the ultimate sacrifice of not being able to play in this thing," Um, and and they reap the the benefits of all your hard work of of, and your culture building. And now, yeah.
0: And now you talk about building a culture. How difficult was that for you? From becoming a professional player to now a recruiter, how hard was it for you to like try to build a culture from from being that pro to trying to get seventeen to eighteen year old kids to get into a a culture of being educated and playing at the same time now? what What has that taught you as a person individually? Um, shoot, it, you know.
1: And I, I read a lot about this. I've been passionate, again, probably, you know, once I started coaching, I became passionate about culture and, and how to build it. And, you know, even more so recently in the last year. Um, but really, to me, it was it was the head coach there and the school had, had such a vision, um, such a culture kind of laid out and, and a blueprint for it and really it was up to us as assistant coaches, um, to, to help build that. And, and we know if you recruit the right people, um, do you recruit good people, you know, good baseball players, one thing, but if they're genuinely good human beings, um, they're going to help build your culture. They're the ones that, that kind of drive that, that culture home, um, because they got to live it every day. Um, you know, so to be part of, helping coach Herring up there kind of set that blueprint for what his culture was going to be. And then to watch these kids, you know, recruit them into it and and watch them kind of run with that. Right. And, and make this blueprint come to life was, was really something special. And, and, you know, all it's taught me is that, you know, successful businesses, successful teams, organizations um, you know, culture is at the forefront of all of them, right? Like you look at the Patriots, um, which is a pro team. You look at Vanderbilt baseball, which is a, you know, college team. You could look at really successful high school, high school programs, right? There's a ton of continuity, right? Which means the culture is not kind of breaking up every year, right? And it's the same people driving the message home um, and the blueprint doesn't change much. But then these kids come in in waves for three or four years. They're the ones that, are, that have got to see the vision and carry it out during their time. Kind of you know we talked about leaving the program in a better place and found it. Um, you know they're catalysts for, for you know, having a thriving culture. Um, we just kind of helped, helped guide them, if you would. We heard them in the right direction, they kind of went and they did their thing. And now. You leave UMass
0: Lowell to join the Elon Phoenix in that same capacity. Now with a few years under your belts, what, what was the number one thing that you applied at, at Elon Phoenix uh, now that you were in a, in a more established program and that you were able to uh, continue helping to build that program up?
1: Yeah, so it was interesting because um, Iona was a program that were were having mild success, and and you just tried to give them a little bit of hope and get them get them a little bit better. Um, Obviously, UMass Lowell was was transitioning from D two to D one, and now so for five years I walked into a you know into programs that were in some type of um, transition situation right? And then I walk into Elon, man, they're like, a, they're already rolling. Um, you know, in the 2006 to 2011, man, you can find five mid-majors that were better than them. Um, Mike Kennedy had, has won a ton, you know, he's won a million games. He's, no, he knows how to win. He already has his culture. So you're not part of building it per se, right? But you're part of carrying it out. Um, so that was unique um, to walk into a program that had already had a ton of success and with a head coach that man, you know, at that level has already experienced a ton of of wins um, and championships, things like that. So for me, it was it was about jumping in and jumping in head first into what he's already built, buying into his culture. um and again, kind of just trying to be a shepherd to go and continue that. Um, and, you know, I knew at that point, after five years, I was pretty confident in my ability to develop pitchers. Um, and I had my, my ways of doing that. Um, but the one thing I never did was stop learning, right? Like there's drills I do. Like I did like three, four years ago. I look back and I'm like, why did I ever do those? You know, and then there's other things I did seven years ago. I'm like, why did I stop doing that one? you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's really good to reflect and, and kind of journal, keep up with things you've taught over the years. Um, it's really good to kind of stay true to who you are, right? And like, you have a couple staples and, and beliefs, and you're, if you're really invested in those beliefs, and you really believe them, you know, they are real. Um, and then, you know, kind of figuring out, okay, what do I need to add here? What do I need to you know, to get this guy better? How do I support this player in the best way possible? Um, I kind of took my, my game to the next level in, in that I became really good um, in another way of, you know, taking ownership of guys, right? I, I tried to own their development more than I ever had in the past. Um, because I knew if I they saw my investment, they were going to be invested.
0: So now, then, so now you talk about owning the re, uh, owning the um, the responsibility of developing some of these players. Now, uh, now that this uh, spring training session, you were supposed to be a coach for the uh, my, uh, minor league teams for the Seattle Mariners. How did that opportunity come about, and and what and what was and what was that opportunity like? Just interviewing with the organization at at the time.
1: Yeah, so I was I was really fortunate. I I don't even know how the heck I I was given um, such a wonderful experience this summer and and fall. But I had the opportunity to talk to about a dozen teams. Uh, you know, organizations about potential jobs, anything from the casual conversation to, hey, let's, let's get you down here and visit. And, and, you know, you can see what we're all about. We can see what you're, you're all about. Um, and, you know, that was largely due to the fact that, man, there were great arms at Elon um, who garnered a lot of attention. And, and so they thought I had something to do with it, right? Like um, those guys were just really awesome. Um, and I was afforded the opportunity to talk to a couple organizations. Uh, Um, and man, when you sit in a room with Andy McKay, um, our director of player development, you realize how special a person he is. He's captivating. He's, you know, he makes you believe in what he believes like instantaneously. And I, I don't mean to say like, I'm easily swayed. But his manner in which he speaks and the passion in which he speaks with, um, they they grab you, right? They take hold of you, um, and they make you want to be a part of it. Um, And so, yeah, that fact, along with the fact that the pitching coordinator Max Weiner is a tremendous, tremendous young coordinator. Who, I mean, he's brilliant. He's a great person. Um, He really cares about like his guys. And you know, they their first rounder in their eighth. Eighth rounder from 2019 draft both came from Elon, um, George Kirby and Ty Adcock. And so, you know, you you put all of those pieces together and it was almost like, why the heck wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Why why wouldn't you jump on board? Um, So the experience was awesome. Getting to know, I I got to know a lot of people over the last year in the professional world. Um, And man, I'm telling you, you know, you ever got on he's he's all over to zooms and stuff now, but Andy McKay is the most captivating person i've I've ever heard spoke, speak. Um, you know he speaks with passion. he speaks with intelligence. It's concise, it's it's sharp. Um, and you know he makes you want you know jump right in and, and get going.
0: And now, at your time at your time at Elon, Having to work with uh, potential major league draft picks, and I'm pretty sure you've worked with them uh, through your years at, uh, at Lowell and and even at Iona. Uh, what's the one thing that stands out while watching some of these college pitchers that could pro- potentially have professional uh, prospects to, to their name? What's the one thing you, you look for?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. I was asked this question, um, by a buddy of mine the other day, like what is the one quality? If there could only be one quality that every guy you, you could ever coach could have, um, what would it be? And I always, I bounce back and forth, right? Cause I think about these guys. I think about um, George Kirby, Kyle Bernovich, Ty Agcock, Robbie Wellhalf, like Mariano Rivera, uh junior, like what these guys, what did they possess? Right. And, um, the, the one thing i I could do is one thing I could say is they they were all really passionate, right? But like passion doesn't get you there, right? There's a lot of people that are passionate and they fail as players. I was super passionate, right mm-hmm. doesn't mean I didn't stink, right? yeah <laughs> you know these guys, I think are really clear about their vision, um and they they attack it relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know everybody from Nick Cujo, who's now in the Padres organization to, you know, George Kirby, who, who was the first rounder last year, you know, the, the guys that go and they get those opportunities had this relentless pursuit of their goals, right? Like they knew what their goals were. It, they were really clear They were obtainable, uh, you know, and then they attack it like you wouldn't believe <laughs> And I I think that's above all, right? If you get to play at the division one level, you've got talent, right? And now like, what's the separator, right? It's, it's what's up here. It's what's in here, like in the heart. And, you know, it's, it's about how, you know, mindful and and relentless you're going to be about pursuing and making sure those goals happen. Um, Yeah.
0: So, you talk about being being mindful, like up upstairs, and being passionate with the heart. Uh, have you uh, like encountered in any of your stops like players that you know have that that struggle? But you kind of like help uh, help them just push along, just to fi- to finish out. Like say, okay, maybe they they've had such a bad run that the pitching wise that you're all like, okay, sit down, come, come in here. Let's sit down. Let's talk.
1: Yeah. um, I've had this conversation probably one, one too many times. Um, And they're, they're not easy conversations. um, Because the one thing you need to try to do is, is be honest with guys, right. And have guys be honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that conversation isn't always easy. Uh, I just always related it back like, and, and it's going to sound funny, right? But like in the stepbrother scene where um, they're at the Catalina wine mixer uh, <laughs> and you know, they're, they're talking about the inner dinosaur, right? And like, don't lose the inner dinosaur, right? And, and what happens, right, during a guy's Division One journey, right, four-year college journey, um, the one who struggles a lot tends to forget why they're there, right? Like no one dreamed when they were five, no one had an Elon Jersey on saying, man, I can't wait to play for Elon Phoenix, right? They all had Derek Jeter's Jersey on, or, or, you know, maybe they had Pedro Martinez's Jersey on or whoever, right? Like that was their inner dinosaur. That was their, their burning passion was man. They had this goal. They wanted to be in the major leagues. They wanted to be, you know mariano rivera they wanted to be derek cheater or andy pettit right and and so you know i tried to turn into that like when do you lose the, the the passion right to really fight and relentlessly pursue this thing like where'd it go and you know until we could find that answer and have them be really clear and honest with themselves and with me about where it really went and why it went that way um like where why they lose their inner dinosaur, uh, we can't move forward. Right. And the guys who go and and they say like, man, I, you know, it was that year I struggled. I had a seven and a half ERA. You know, I kind of just lost it. You know, like those guys that are really able to just, man, okay, meet what the, what had happened. Right. And, and reflect, and then we could talk about it and move on. Those guys like, wound up having really successful senior years, let's say, or, or really got, you know, maybe they pitched the most amount of innings they pitched in their career their last year, or, or in that year we had that conversation, right? Like, the, I, I think it starts with honesty. Um, like, where, where did the passion go? Why do I no longer relentlessly pursue this thing? Um, and once they could identify, like, what happened, you know, it's easier to move on and say, like, all right, well, this is what needs to happen for me to salvage this thing and and make the best of it, right? And maybe you create a new goal. <laughs> you know, hey, let's throw 40 innings in your senior year here. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the the MLB dream is kind of out of hand now, right? So you yeah. have to get something so that the dream doesn't feel so far out of reach.
0: Now, I've got to. Before we go, I got to ask you this last question. What do you recommend right now for these upcoming juniors and seniors in high school right now? What's the one thing you want to see them improve in order to get that potential division or that potential opportunity to pitch in, in college baseball? What's, what's the one thing you, you want to tell them to, to focus on at the moment?
1: being that Um, you don't have
0: the opportunity to play uh, because of the pandemic now that you've been now that you've had the professional opportunities to play you've been the college recruiter and now that you're um, in the uh, professional ranks at the moment what's the one thing you want you want to see these 17 18 year olds improve upon to get that opportunity to continue playing at the next level?
1: I will say this, um, the pandemic is really unfortunate, kind of stinks for everybody, um, but, and, and, you know, you could take a poor me attitude, right, if you're a 17-year-old who's uncommitted or, you know, an 18-year-old who who doesn't have a home yet for college, um, or you can look at it as, like, man, this is a brilliant, such an awesome time for me to find out, first of all what I need to do to get better right and for each guy it's a little bit different mm-hmm. um, and then go and attack it right like attack it with such you know passion and such you know crazy effort that you know no one could turn you down right like you can really go and find an opportunity now with not having to compete not have to pitch at showcases not have to participate in the travel tournaments right now you can go and and work on being the best version of yourself um and find out what that is and and really just go and tackle it some guys need to get stronger some guys need to go and work on shape of their breaking balls some guys need to learn how to hit a breaking ball right like you could find a buddy you know and and you know heck you don't even need a buddy you need a wall right you could pitch into a wall Right. You could hit into a tee off a tee into a wall or a net or a fence. Um, You know, you could find a buddy to throw you some front toss or some BP. Uh, Heck, if you're fortunate enough to hit off a hack attack or or pitch some live hitters, um, you know, go and do that. But it's an opportunity for you to really work on you. Um, And for each guy, it's a little bit different. But I think like we've touched on it this whole time, you know. It's the relentless pursuit of your goals um, and your aspirations. Understanding one, what what it's going to take for you to accomplish those, and two, like you know, give effort, give energy, right? Be really mindful. Dive in with a hundred percent focus every time you do a rep right now, because um, we see right now how easy easily baseball could be taken from us. Let's go in and make sure it doesn't. It right? If you're at a 17-year-old waiting, you know, try to get an offer, make sure baseball doesn't get taken from you again, right? And, And work, right, really hard and work really mindfully, right? Like really, really dive into committing each and every rep to being the best version of yourself. And I think most guys will be happy with what they see at the end.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Sean McGrath, for joining me today. I appreciate your time. And uh, if I hear from you, you coaching in the minor leagues, you'll have a supporter in me down here in the deep South Texas. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll we'll be chatting soon. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, right. Thanks for having me on, man. It was nice to see your face. Miss you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um,
1: I, you know, obviously, I hope you stay safe during this time, man, and, and obviously we'll be talking.
0: Thank you so much, man.
1: All right. You have a good one.
0: Bye-bye.